I wonder how you're feeling as we start to emerge from lockdown, as we start to see a sense of normality returning as more and more shops open. I wonder how many of you have loved having your first lockdown haircut or how many of you are still waiting for it to come desperately. I, I haven't found lockdown haircuts much of a trial, but I know many people have. But it's that sense of we're trying to get our bearings in this changed world, in this world in which things are still changing. We're still trying to work out how to return to worship in person. It reminds me of our sat-nav that is a bit sulky at the moment because sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. We were at the coast the other day and it thought we were several miles offshore. Clearly we weren't. But it's that sense of trying to find our bearings in a changed world. Nehemiah 4 is a really, really interesting passage because it talks about spiritual warfare, really. It tells us that when we try to live for God, when we try to stay, take steps of faith, when we try to do something different, something significant, we run into resistance. The first kind of resistance Nehemiah talks about is ridicule. Uh, Samballat and Tobiah and those with them ridicule those with Nehemiah who are trying to rebuild Jerusalem. They ridicule them in several ways. They call them feeble. They suggest that they really don't understand what's actually involved in rebuilding the wall. They think maybe they, they say that actually just a few sacrifices and that will be it. They're, underest they're suggesting they've completely underestimated what's involved. Then they also say, basically, they exaggerate the task. They say that the, the stones have been so badly damaged, it's like, being, like bringing them back to life. And Tobiah says, actually, if just a fox stands on the wall, it will fall down. They exaggerate. They belittle the Jews. They exaggerate the scale of the task. They're trying to ridicule them uh, so that they don't proceed. That's the first kind of opposition that we often see. But it doesn't work. Um, Nehemiah, Nehemiah records in verse 6, because the people would, with all their heart, the wall was rebuilt to half its height. He says later on, the gaps were being closed. I think that's the, the new wall being built that I talked about last week. So the focus shifts. Ridicule hasn't worked. The second focus is intimidation. Intimidation. Uh, they're told or they, they learn that uh, people are going to come from the north, the east, the south, the west, from all around Jerusalem to attack them. The reason is even at half its height, the wall is already becoming a significant problem for those who would attack the Jews. So the, the, that's the threat that's coming. And they don't just threaten those in Jerusalem, they threaten those living, the Jews living outside the areas. They, they start to get intimidated. They, they, they are spreading fear consciously and deliberately. They are trying to intimidate the folk with Nehemiah into stopping into suing for peace. So you have ridicule, you have intimidation. And then the third kind of opposition is internal, it's, it's exhaustion. Exhaustion disables action. Exhaustion often means that we just lose perspective on the issues that face us. What is Nehemiah told? The strength of the labourers is giving out and we cannot 
rebuild the wall. There's too much rubble. At that moment, in their exhaustion, all the people can see is the problems. There's too much rubble. We cannot. And notice there's an echo there of the ridicule that began, that we began with, where we were told that basically the stones were so badly damaged it would be like bringing them back to life. Somehow the people in Jerusalem have heard that and it is weighing on them. In their exhaustion they think there's just too much rubble. They cannot. So how does Nehemiah deal with their ridicule? Simply by taking it to God in prayer. Verse 5 says, Hear us, O our God, because we are despised. It's in that place of prayer where we remember who God is and who we are in God. That's the place we deal with the ridicule. That's the place where we remember that we are sons and daughters of the King. That's the place where we remember that we are forgiven and dearly loved. That's the place we deal with ridicule. How does Nehemiah deal with their intimidation? Well, first of all, he surveys the situation calmly and then he plans. He also, again, directs the people to prayer. He says, we prayed to God and we set a guard. It goes from a building site to being ground that is consciously being held. That helps the workmen to, to, re, to focus once again on what they're doing. But it also says, I'm taking the situation uh, seriously. I'm dealing with it. He deals with it in a number of ways. First of all, he stations families behind the wall where it's at its weakest. Why does he do that? Well, because they will fight passionately to protect one another. They will know who is who in the middle of, a, of, a, of an assault at night. Um, they will, their morale strength will be the strongest it can possibly be because they will fight tooth and nail for their brothers, for their fathers, for their, for their friends. That's why he stations them together. He then goes uh, and says to those who are living around Jerusalem, come and live inside the wall, particularly if you are working for us so that there's no time wasted coming and going and, and you're not worrying about your loved ones. Bring them all inside, bring them inside the wall and then we actually will be in a stronger position. You won't feel intimidated in anything like the same way. And then he has a really, really simple strategy. He has a trumpeter with him at all times. He's also set an example because he and his bodyguard and his brothers, they are, they are never without, uh, without their swords and their shields. They're ready to fight at all times. But then he just says, look, this is the strategy. Whenever you hear the trumpet blown, rally to that place. It's the simplest possible strategy. There, there can be no doubt or question if you hear the trumpet, rally to the trumpet. It's a really, really simple game plan. There can be no hesitation. It's really simple. That's uh, all of the ways in which Nehemiah takes their worries seriously uh, and, and addresses them. How does Nehemiah deal with their exhaustion? The exhaustion that takes, this is really difficult to, this is impossible. Well, he takes it seriously. The first thing he does is he accepts a slower pace to the work. They have got to the point where the wall is half built. That's a massive, massive uh, step forward. Now he says, okay, we're going to divide our workforce, half guard, half work. 
That means those who are working can just focus on that. That means those who are guarding are actually resting from their physical labour. So he accepts a slower pace. He just doesn't accept that the pace should stop. So he doesn't accept that this is hard means it's impossible. He simply accepts that they're exhausted. He makes sure that they get more rest. He accepts a slower pace, but the work goes forward. Crucially, the work goes forward. So what does all this mean for us today? Well, first, the enemy always exaggerates. That's what we see in Nehemiah 4. Uh, he belittles our efforts. He exaggerates the challenges that we face. Uh, he exaggerates um, our weaknesses. I was just reminded as I was preparing that the number of people on an average October Sunday last year in Highfield Church was three to four times the number of people who gathered between Ascension Day and Pentecost to pray for the Spirit to come. So the first church, the first church was a quarter of the size of Highfield. And yet their passionate prayer gave birth to a movement that spread across the whole then known world over three centuries and spread absolutely peacefully. So we need to remember that we might feel small in numbers. We might feel that actually the challenges that we face, the changes that we're going to continue to face over the coming months are really significant. And they are. We might be belittled by them. We could be. But this is the thing. We have to remember who God is and remember who we are because of who God is. The enemy always exaggerates. So we need to go back to the touchstone. We need to go back to who we are in Jesus. We need to go back to the love of God and the presence and power of the Spirit in our lives. We need to go back to the scriptures and stand on the truths that they teach us. The enemy always exaggerates. He's always a father of lies. We need to go back to being grounded absolutely in the truth and knowing God's presence and God's power with us. The second thing Nehemiah 4 shows us is exhaustion breeds fear and then fear disables action. The strength of the labourers is giving out, Nehemiah was told. There's too much rubble. We cannot rebuild the wall. Exhaustion often means that we lose perspective, often means that we can't see solutions but only problems. They could only see what meant that they couldn't rather than saying actually, you know what, we're halfway there. They've gone from we're halfway there to we can't. We can't, why? Because they're exhausted. It's been a peculiarly and uniquely exhausting uh, four or five months as we've lived through the beginning of this crisis. Um, it's, we have been living, all of us I think, with significant levels of stress and anxiety that are higher than normal. We see as we go around and we go to shops, those of us who are doing, doing that, we can see the anxiety in those around us and we can pick it up from others as well. As lockdown is starting to lift, a number of the people I've been talking to have just been telling me how exhausted they are. 
When you're living with stress over a persistent, significant length of time and anxiety over a significant length of time, it has an impact. It has an impact. And then when we start to see a sense that things might be coming back to normal, we, our guard lowers a little bit. We're no longer completely at attention the whole time. And that's, I think, when we feel exhaustion. Exhaustion in body, mind and spirit. I know there's definitely a sense that that's true for me. Uh, we've had two significant times of, of really challenging illness with mum. We've, we've had a fire at home. We've had a number of challenges that I think are leaving me pretty, pretty tired at the moment. The thing that we need to say is exhaustion breeds fear and fear disables action. So at this moment where things are starting to open up and we've got all kinds of challenges that we're going to have to deal with because life has changed and life continues to change, we need to prioritise right now rest. Rest in body, rest in mind, rest in spirit. So if you are facing lots of big decisions, if you're facing actually, I've, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, I've got to wrestle with this, I've got to sort that out right now, right now, the priority is rest in body, mind and spirit. Um, make sure you are more rested in body, mind and spirit, rested in relationships before you contemplate any major decision or change. Exhaustion breeds fear. Fear disables action. So make sure that you are in a more rested place before you contemplate any major changes. Make sure that you have not lost perspective because that's another thing that exhaustion does. Prioritise rest at this moment. Third and final thing. Remember what drives out fear. So often, faith is not opposed to doubt, faith is opposed to fear. So two things that drive out fear from our souls. The first uh, one, John 4.18 tells us, is God's perfect love. So we need to make sure that we're in that place of receiving God's perfect love over and over again. We need to remember who we are in God. Remember what God says to us about how we matter to him. Remember the sacrifice of Jesus. We love because he first loved us. We are best equipped to deal with the challenges that we face when we're facing them from a place of knowing God's perfect love afresh. That's the first thing that drives out fear. And the second thing is simply courage. It's faith. It is the, the, the faith to believe that what we want to do for God really matters. The faith to believe that God is with us in it. I love verse 9. So we prayed and set a guard. That sense that actually we are a team with God. That we are on God's team. I wonder where you might feel that you're lacking courage for what's to come. I wonder whether you are uh, fearful and therefore in danger of losing perspective. These two things will drive out fear from our souls. God's perfect love and asking him for courage, courage to live for him. And it is that sense of actually we need to draw breath. 
we need to draw breath and allow the Spirit to fill us afresh because it is from that place of knowing God's presence and knowing God's call that can, we can live faithfully and courageously during this time. During this time, as we start to see something that looks a little bit like normal, but normal is still a long way off, we're going to need that sense of courage, that sense of God's presence, God's power, God's love and God's grace afresh because that's transformative. That means, as it meant for Nehemiah, who'd spent three to four months in prayer before he dared to speak to Artaxerxes, it's that sense that will anchor us, because we know God's presence, God's power, God's love, God's grace. We know that we matter to God. That is what drives up fear at such a time like this. So these are challenging times. Maybe many of us feel like we've lost our satnav, we've lost our bearings, we don't know the way from A to B anymore. We feel that we've lost a sense of what the landscape is. If we're in that place, remember that the enemy always exaggerates, he ridicules. Be once more rooted and grounded in the truth and the love of God. We need to remember also that exhaustion breeds fear and fear disables action. So we need to get to a place of rest in body, mind and spirit. Rest is possibly the biggest preparation for, for the autumn that we can engage in at the moment. And we need to remember the things that drive out fear from our souls. God's perfect love. And the courage that comes from knowing uh, God in all of his dimensions, Father, Son and Spirit. When we have that place, when we take a breath and know God's presence with us, that's when we become enabled. That's when we become empowered for such a time as this. These are challenging times. It's quite right that many of us are feeling exhausted because none of us have ever lived through four to five months like we've just lived through. But God is still able. Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forevermore. And we can know his presence and power today. So let's reach out for them. Let's ask for God to fill us afresh with his love and with his power and with courage for such a time as this.